Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 245 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by Todd Pickering, a full-time professional photographer from Point Reyes, California. Todd has a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the San Francisco Art Institute and owns his own gallery where he showcases what he describes as quiet work. He also has done a lot of photography gigs for California wineries. Todd and I talk a lot about the benefits of obtaining an education in art and the role his professional gigs have played in improving the way he approaches nature photography. Over on Patreon this week, Todd and I chat briefly about art reps and how to value our work when we are asked to sell to a third-party representative. Thanks to our newest patron, Kenny Muir, for supporting the podcast on Patreon. I really appreciate you, Kenny, and everyone else who has decided to support the show financially on Patreon. You are all awesome. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Todd Pickering, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, great to be here. Yeah, it's. Um, I think Joe Doherty was the one that recommended you for the podcast. Oh, Joe, oh he's great. I love Joe. Yeah, he's yeah, an excellent, he, um, excellent photographer and a great guy. Yeah, yeah he, he occasionally will join us. Uh, we do these weekly uh, clubhouse after parties where listeners can kind of join in and have conversations with me and the guest and other listeners and and um, he had recommended you on one of those clubhouse chats. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll check him out. And uh, went to your website and really liked what I had to see and thought it might be fun to have a chat. Oh, great. Great. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Joe's been out here a few times out in Point Reyes and um, gone for some hikes. And he and Velda, awesome. his, his wife. And yeah. 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 That's yeah. He's, he seems like a really interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, for people that might not be familiar with you and your photography, I would love to learn um, a lot more about you. So tell us, who is Todd Pickering? Well, um, I live out here in uh, near Point Reyes. I have a little gallery in Point Reyes, actually in Inverness Park, which is just a half a mile away from Point Reyes Station out on the West Coast here, if people don't know, about an hour north of San Francisco. And I live about, I don't know, 20 minutes away from, from there, up in, up in the hills. Very beautiful place. I live here just because it's, it's a national seashore, and uh, we have everything from uh, coho salmon spawning up the streams to elephant seals at the beach. In fact, I had a friend out here from South Dakota once, and we were out on, the, on Tomales Point looking at uh, tule elk, with their big antlers and everything. And then we glance over to our left at the ocean and we see whales coming up. So that's, that's kind of, kind of why I'm here. It's just, it's spectacular. It's a, uh, in some ways it's very subtle, the landscape here, but it's, uh, it's nuanced. There's a lot of beautiful things to discover. So I live out here and I, I'm a professional photographer. I do a lot of types of work. I, uh, these last uh, 10 years I've been shooting a lot for wineries. Um, and also architectural photography, um, things for magazines, and you know, I'm kind of a jack of all trades in some ways. I, I did weddings for about, I think, about 13 years in my younger years, which I, I don't recommend to, to anyone. And I also recommend it to anyone getting into photography because it really makes you have to show up, and you really have yes, to learn your you have to learn your equipment. Um, it's humbling. Yeah. There's, 
There's yeah. no going back no. <laughs> and reshooting the no. event. And I started with film. I, I used to shoot, you know, I started, I'm uh, 61 years old. And, you know, I, I'm kind of a classic American story where there was cameras around the house. We had the little brownie cameras and Kodak Instamatics. And my dad was in the Navy. So he came back from Japan with a, I think it was an Argus camera, a 35 millimeter camera. And he had a dark room in the bathroom. And so I, there's, I know a lot of people my age that have similar stories. And so I've always had photography in my life, um, but I didn't commit to it until uh, in, a, in a sort of pointed way until I went to uh, the San Francisco Art Institute. And I started there in 1985. And um, yeah, so I do a lot of different things. And I, and my, I work so that I can have time to do my uh, nature photography, which runs the gamut okay. from, from wildlife to landscape. But I also sell my work. And that's gotten, gotten a lot uh more uh, fruitful in the last few years, especially with my little gallery. And I have some stores and uh, uh, a couple art reps that sell my my work to hospitals and things like that. So it it's they're both things are competing right now, and uh, I'm hoping the landscape will win over, <laughs> so I don't have to do the other work. Though it's I, I enjoy it and I love doing all the work that I do. Yeah. So if you if you had your druthers you would make your entire income from landscape and nature photography? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, because really, I mean, l- l- let's get real here. The The reason f- is to be out there. You know, I-, I like the photography and it's wonderful. And I love the challenge and the puzzle and, the, you know, bringing a piece to or having a show or framing it and finishing the piece. And it's all wonderful. But in the end, I just, I just love being out there and witnessing the beauty of everything. And, uh, uh, lately, my the last year, my wife, I got her a camera, and so we've been going out together. Once we've committed to once a week, and we've been going out and just having the most incredible time. And it's been great having her there because it kind of takes me out of my, you know, dog chasing a ball syndrome where I'm like <laughs> running around trying to get the shot, and she just makes me more present, and I enjoy the the process a lot more. But uh, I always say, uh, you know, being a photographer is a is sort of a license on how not to look like a, a total lunatic because, you know, we're all jumping across rocks and streams and climbing in trees and doing all this stuff. But I've got a camera, so therefore I'm a photographer and I'm completely sane. <laughs> right. It makes it all okay. <laughs> yeah, it makes it all exactly. Yeah. So that's I would, who I, I would love to hear. Yeah. I would love to hear a little bit more about how – uh, your wife being with you has changed your approach to uh, making photos in terms of um, maybe the end result or the yeah. overall experience or kind of what are the different things that ways that's modified your experience? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, um, you know, I don't know if you have a, a similar experience, but for me, when I go out, I, I, I try to actually hike without pulling my camera out for a while and sort of feel where I am and sort of start to have the forest make sense and things starting to fall in place. But sometimes I go out with sort of a, I have limited time or whatever, and I kind of go out with an aggressive attitude to get a photograph. I might have an idea of where I'm going. And I think she brings me into the moment because I am with another person and I need to get along and, you know, we communicate. And But I also get to witness her her excitement and her wonder at the beauty. We have these amazing experiences just... Like we go to this one spot, 
that has nests on, and you get cliff height to a, a nests of uh, great blue heron and great egrets. And, you know, there's like 40 of them and we get to watch them come and go. And, and I, she has a smaller camera and I got an adapter and put my long lens on it. And then she just started shooting away and I could all, I couldn't get it away from her. <laughs> and just to, so I guess to, to see her excitement, it's like being with beginner's mind. You know, I get to see that and remind myself of that when I was beginning photography and I still have it. I still love it, but there's a particular, um, innocence that happens when you're just starting where anything's okay. Like she'll take a picture that's maybe even out of focus or framed in a different way. And that's actually interesting because she's getting images that I don't normally, I wouldn't take. Like yesterday, she was just hiking down on our, we live up on 40 acres up a canyon and she took a walk down the driveway and she was started taking pictures, just moving the camera around and getting all these blurred smears and they're beautiful. And I wouldn't give myself the time to do that. You know, it's like, well, you know, but I do always say you could trip and, and anyone can trip and fall and take a nice photo these days. You know, and you look at the back of your camera and you go, Ooh, that looks kind of cool. You know, it's like, <laughs> but she's, she was doing it and she's, she was getting into it and she got some beautiful images. So it's, it's a great thing that to sort of break my habits. And also I just love her and I love hiking with her and being with her out there. It's turned into kind of a snack day. We go out there and, and eat good food and, you know, sit on the beach. And But it's really, it's it's a wonderful thing. It was actually a, a Valentine's gift that I did for her last year. I printed out a big map of Point Reyes and we're hiking. Each Friday we hike a different trail in Point Reyes and we mark it off on the oh, map. That's cool. so, so it's also making me do something that I've always wanted to do, which is to really pointedly go out and explore the place that I love. Yeah. I'm curious how how has that change in focus impacted the photographs that you create? Um, I think I guess it would be that I'm not 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 in a. I think it's the experience that's affected, but I still have the same sort of level or quality that I'm looking for. Um, I think I'm shooting less. I've never been a like I started with with eight by ten and four by five film so you know that's you, when you take a shot you know what you're doing you know you you load each you know you have to load each sheet of film in the dark or in, right, a, like, you know, or in a tent there's five dollars exactly there's five dollars and then you have to go back and develop it and and then print it just to see what you have and yeah it's yeah if anybody wants to learn relearn photography do that for a little bit and realize how good you have it now I mean, it really is amazing. When I, I remember when I made the switch from f- film to um, to digital, it had a, f- a feeling in that I was in some ways getting away with something because it was so, I mean, you could just shoot and see what you got and, you know, you didn't have to shoot, bracket everything and then go down and have your film developed and and don't get me started. I don't want to sound like an old man, like we used to have to hand whittle our own cameras, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right we we walked uphill both ways yeah, both ways yeah so but it is uh i forgot where we were talking about but uh so but i always shot very uh pointedly with because of the cost and the in the in the time i would shoot you know one one shot of something or and i still shoot kind of the same way with digital i have some friends that you know put it on rapid fire and shoot away but i uh I really still come back with very few images 
And unless there's an event, if there's like I'm witnessing, let's say some pelicans diving in the waves, I'm going to shoot a whole bunch. Sure. But right, um, like waves or yeah, yeah waterfalls or anything exactly. where there's motion involved. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's uh, that's, oh, that's cool. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. That sounds really fantastic that you guys are able to get out and do that together. And yeah. Um, I know that if my wife were to join me on some of those trips, it would definitely augment the entire experience from a photographic mm-hmm. perspective. And I've never really done that whole lot to be, that's why I was kind of asking, cause I'm not even sure how it would go for me. <laughs> well, part of it is physicality. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm six, five, uh, fairly physical. I feel comfortable climbing down a, a ravine or something like that. She's a little bit more timid. So, but that's also good too. It's, it makes me realize it's not a, I don't have to, you know, go crazy. I can, I can, but there, I do long for days to just go out by, for my, you know, just by myself and, and have those, but it, it, there's, I don't know if it, you experience this, but there's a, there's a little bit of melancholy when you're out there by yourself, a little loneliness and, you know, you're out there and, and it's cold and it's, uh, sun's going down and you, you know, you have a four mile hike back and you're like, God, what am I doing? <laughs> what the hell yeah, am I it's doing bitter, out here? It's, it's bittersweet. I mean, because yes. it's so enjoyable, yeah. but it's also, um, like you said, it can be really punishing as well. Yeah, yeah. And in my younger days, you know, like I said, I was like a dog with a ball, and I, I would just, you know, see a mountaintop and go run up it, you know, or go. I just had so much energy, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm in, get, heading into the, I'm on the threshold of the golden years. <laughs> yes. So I'm slowing down a little bit, and I, I'm enjoying that. Actually, I enjoy not being so, for lack of a better word, aggro out there. You know. Well, that's maybe an interesting uh, question to ask in terms of what advice would you give your yourself, like a twenty year old, twenty young, twenty year younger version of yourself? Like, what advice would you have for for that version of Todd? Well, besides everything. Like I would, I would, <laughs> I would say uh, definitely relax, and um, you know really appreciate the beauty. Really, um, you know, it's not gonna. You're not gonna get. You're gonna get nice images, but you're not gonna get this slam dunk image that changes your life. You know what I mean? It's 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 the it's definitely a lifelong process. I'm going to be doing this as long as I can. You know, um, as long as my body will let me and. So I think that's shifted too, but I don't know if you can say that to your younger self because you have the energy you have and you have the drive. Because I did many things that I probably wouldn't do now that I had, like I was, um, you know, I was at the Art Institute getting my undergraduate degree. Uh, actually, I, I finished that and I was working there and getting uh, my graduate degree and or my MFA, and I was about halfway through it and I got a call from. Uh, some software company that was looking for someone to do time-lapse images of California. This is still back in film. So this is uh, it was a little bit different. So I basically said, I'll do it. And I left school and went off and I did traveled all over California. And then they sent me to Hawaii and I was in Hawaii and they gave me, basically gave me a credit card and I flew all over the, all through the different islands and, did all these time-lapse images and I could only do them around the full moon. So huh, right. I'd have all this, I'd have all this time in between. <laughs> so I just, I'd surf and hang out with friends. And 
So that sort of thing I did when I was younger. Now, if I had, I probably would, it would have been smart to stay and finish my master's because that okay. would open, it would have changed my life. It would open doors and I probably would have gone into teaching. I so, see. Okay. Um, so I made choices. That makes based, sense. I made choices that what was in front of me and, you know, what can you say? I feel like most people would have made the same decision. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, being, you know, hey, would you like to have a credit card and go to Hawaii and take pictures for me? <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll do that. Right? Especially yeah. if you don't have, you know, anything tying you down. That's right. Yeah. I learned a lot yeah. too. It was, it was really a great learning experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a great segue because I really wanted to pick your brain about uh, your educational background and you having that perspective in the rear view mirror of how it's changed your outlook on photography and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd mentioned you have your, your bachelor's of fine arts from the San Francisco art Institute. And um, I've heard a lot of photographers say that getting a degree in arts is, is not a benefit in today's market, which I'm sure may or may not be true depending on your outlook. But I'm mm-hmm. curious what your thoughts are on that and what your degree has provided to you that you would not have had otherwise. Yeah. Well, you know, the, I can't talk about all schools, but the art Institute, when I went there was, uh, you really didn't learn photography. You learned how to uh, have a critical voice about your own work and about other work. And I mean, critical in the sense of being able to discern and look at things and sort of break it down and, um, and you had to learn how to defend your work. You know, I was doing, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, pretty work. I was doing work of, I mean, I did some more exploratory work cause you take, I did sculpture and, you know, alternative processes. I did a whole bunch of different things and, but, um, but my photography was generally about nature. And, you know, if you weren't peeing on your negatives or scratching them with sandpaper, you weren't making art, you know, <laughs> It's, it's, it was a pretty, pretty progressive school. Um, so there was about, I think there was about eight of us that would sort of huddle in the dark room together at night and just be like sharing stories about how our critique went in class that day. And we were all, you know, nature photographers. So it was, it, the thing that was great about it is that it, you had to figure out where you're going to set up camp, you know, and start to have conversations with yourself. You know, the fact that you, that I committed to, going to art school and it wasn't as expensive. It wasn't nearly as as expensive back then as it is now, but it still costs money that I was going to commit myself to it. I gave everything I had, you know, I would print all night long. I would, I I put in so much effort. And um, so just the act of doing that, of committing to going to school and showing up and doing the best you can, that in itself is enough. For me now, whether or not it translates into a career or money, I, I that I don't think any school just gives you a ticket, you know, unless you're studying a particular craft or skill that is like, you know, a doctor. Maybe you're going to get into a clinic or you're going to start working at Kaiser or whatever. Right. You know, photography is really, as you probably know yourself, it's you 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 have to drive your car and, and drive your own car and, and, you know, make your own path based on who you are and what, you, what your life allows. And, 
it's so art school is similar in that, it, but it does give you give you a, the opportunity to set everything in your life aside and say, I'm going to just focus on this and really kind of set down what is important to me. And uh, but at the Art Institute, they really didn't teach photography. I mean, we had access to printers and color printing, and you know, but it was more about you know about the concepts and these sort of things. Um, but the one thing it did do that was absolutely invaluable is create community. I have friends, lifelong friends that I went to school with there and I can pick up the phone and call any of them at any time and have a conversation like it was 1985 and talk about photography and where they, you know, like where their path went and, you know, what they would do. Like I remember one day I was at the, one of the wineries that I shoot for and I, they hired me for a year to shoot. I would deliver about a hundred images a month to them. I'd shoot, you know, a thousand, but you know, a hundred decent, 10 really great ones and 90 decent ones. And, um, but I, you know, after, imagine after nine months of shooting at the same place, you're like, what the hell, what else do I shoot? You know, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, you know, I was, I'd try everything. Like I'd buy a new lens or I'd do, you know, all sorts of stuff. So I, I'd call my friend and I'd say, what do I do? And, you know, more than more times than not, he would say, put your camera down just go for a walk, you know, and look around and, and take a breath and take the pressure off. So just having that person in my life that understands what it is to be in that position, you know, and, and just to have sort of comrades in arm that that understand what the artistic life is, and that, that's very helpful. But as far as, you know, if you think you're going to go into an art school or a even a f- particular photo program and get out with a a merit badge that says I, I passed my photography course and therefore I am going to work for time magazine or whatever, something online, you know, or there's no getting around that you have to hustle and work hard and And get good and produce and get good and have a unique voice. So here's, here's the other thing is that the, uh, the winery that hired me is probably the, one of the top wineries in the country, or at least, you know, it's, they're spoken in that, in those terms, very expensive wine and um, really actually quite a beautiful place. And there was a woman that some years back had called me and asked if I would donate photographs for a children's program. It was some website they're doing. So I donated photographs for them to use free of charge. And, few years later, I get a call from her saying, this winery's looking for a photographer. She called me because I gave, I just let things go. And we can talk more about that, you know, about donating. And But I just, sure. you know, she called me. And then I had an interview and they said, we don't want to see any wine photography. Because you can imagine oh, if wow. you're in like Napa area, there's, you know, there's thousands of wine photographers. And, um, or let's just say a hundred. So I go there and show them my work and they say, we just want to see what you do. And I showed them all my nature work and they basically said, we want you to do what you do for yourself, but do it for us. And that I can draw, I can draw, yeah, I know. I can draw a direct line from that back to art school, which is the voice that I developed that is my own voice, um, is what they saw. They saw something unique in my work by me working hard and developing that and 
holding to my own standards and because you're kind of flying out there alone, right? You know, I see the prints behind you in your office, which are beautiful, by the way, <laughs> really, really oh, stunning. Um, you know, you don't arrive at that just by, you know, pointing your car, your camera at your car window. <laughs> You know, you hike many miles and you show up at odd hours and get cold and, and work hard and it costs money. So there's a lot of investment of time and money and heart in it. So I, I think that that counts for, because there was a lot of people at art school that just sh showed up and they didn't really do the work. You know, they'd show a couple photographs and they were just kind of skating through. And it's like, they got nothing out of it. You got probably, it was probably fun hanging out and going to parties and but i think that's that can be across the board at any college you know around but so yes yeah, art school isn't an answer but it's a um for me it was a great place to find my people and to find my voice and uh sort of set up what i stand for at least a start uh, to that yeah yeah no it's it's i've always found that um talking about and defining and putting structure around the concept of art and voice and all of those topics is, is really difficult to do, especially if perhaps you don't have a, uh, an educational background in art such as myself. Um, but one of the things that I kind of heard you starting to bring up here is that going through that program and putting in that work and, and really um, kind of diving deep introspectively um, helped you figure out what you wanted to say with your work. Like, what is my work about? I heard you say that before that you were just taking pretty pictures, right? Of pretty pictures of pretty things or whatever. And, you know, I just got done reading uh, Guy Tao's book, More Than a Rock. And he yeah. talks a lot about that in his book. And I've, I'm always, for myself, I'm always resisting the phrase art or artist mm. just because mm. For so much of my my landscape photography career, it has been about that. It's like, oh, there's a pretty scene, and I love that, and I want to I want to capture that. And but what does it say? What does it mean? What is mm -hmm. what it, you know? There it, it lacks that that extra mysterious hidden sauce that has mm -hmm. all these ideas woven into it. And I'm not saying that that's all of my work, but I think a lot of my work, especially early on, was was about that kind of thing and. Uh -huh. so well, I'm we have curious. to work. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, I mean, I was just going to say, like, what was it about going through the schooling that helped you do that? I mean, it sounds like critique was part of that. It taught, but mm. I want to hear kind of what was it like for you or what were the things that pushed you in that direction that you had to go through? Well, I think, you know, part of it is just what I had in myself as a person. You know, it's the schooling is just a springboard and it sets sort of a, a pace and a thought plants some seeds and then you go off in your life and if you can stay with it um you know part of it is the lifestyle i chose which was living pretty close to the ground i you know i don't have kids and uh you know live pretty pretty small so i was able to stay focused on it and it, for some reason it was important to me because i mean mainly because i i truly enjoy it and i love it and I, I love nature. And I had to come, it wasn't just that I figured it out in art school. It was a long process of figuring out what, um, you know, what the meaning is. And and I have to say it, it kind of went from the hope of some grand statement, 
you know, I did some political work when I was in art school and things to try to really talk about things that mattered and, you know, and all, all this kind of stuff. And I, I had to come to the place where I realized what I'm doing is I'm just reflecting the beauty of the world back on itself. I'm just saying, I see you, you know, the, in a sense, the world gives us death and destruction and, uh, and I reflect beauty back on it. And it's not a grand statement. You know, it's, um, this is nothing new, but like Mother Teresa said, we can't do great things in this life, but we can do small things with great love. And I think the act of going out and photographing this, the, I'm looking to the photographs behind you right now, the beautiful mountain with the aspen trees and the sort of alpine glow going on in the sky and all this, that's enough to just go out there and say, I see this. And I'm going to share it because it's absolutely jaw-dropping and beautiful. So if that's not enough, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's, pe there's people that are going to go out as a photographer and they, they feel driven and they want to report the atrocities in the world because they find that is important to know, you know, it's not my world. I, I don't have it. I don't have that makeup. There's an, you know, we all play a role in this life and, you know, there's many things to be. And if my job is to just say, find some peace here, s reflect on this beauty that we have, you know, um, you know, I hear a lot of photographers in artist statements and, you know, in many ways talking about how their work is, you know, there's a lot of sort of pouring out of the syrup of how important this work is and it changes, you know, it's about the environment and well, I mean, if you really look at it, we're not doing a very environmentally conscious act here with our driving and our using of materials. And I mean, it, I, I, that was early stuff that I worked on in photography, especially with chemical processes, with film. You know, you're jump, dumping water down the drain and chemistry and nothing lined up. It made no sense. I loved that digital, it seems to be a better process in that. I mean, we still have inks and paper or, or aluminum or whatever. Batteries. Batteries. <laughs> and so I think it's sort of, I, I don't jump up and down and say that I'm doing anything that's that has that kind of value, but I am finding purpose enough to say that the world um, needs reminders. And, you know, not everyone gets out to go to, you know, a beautiful rock garden or a sunset at the seashore that when when it's all ablaze and there's thunder clouds in the distance and there's a whale breaching or whatever, you know, there's just, so it's, uh, I think in some ways we're in a wonderful time where more people are getting out because the cameras are more accessible and the process is more accessible. It's, I think people are missing the point a little bit and that they're just trying to take a workshop and go out and get the shot of the arch with the sun rising or the, waterfall at Yosemite or whatever, which is fine. But, um, the point is, is, is being there and going and, and being present with it and, and, in wonder being, to be in awe is, a something my, my wife was relating to me released recently about just being in awe because, it, you know, it's like we search for these grand meanings, but it's, it's right in front of us, you know, in, I mean, even be in awe of your car. I mean, if you think about how it's made with all the plastics and 
the 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 level of design that goes into those things and the fact that we can we get i mean we're all we're like i don't know it's incredible right um, well yeah. it's um it's interesting because one of my favorite questions to ask photographers is is you know why do you go out and make photographs you know and i think what i've often found is that that and the answer to that question can be really revealing and so, and you, I think you kind of started to answer the question, but I'd be curious for you to talk about your why. <clears throat> well, it, it has, it's multifaceted because I do make my living from it. So while I'm going out and having these peak experiences of awe, and sometimes not, sometimes it's raining and I just want to <laughs> right. go home and have some tea. Um, right. It's really cold. <laughs> it's cold. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, I make my living. So sometimes it's, I am looking for, I, I realize the shot that I'm getting is potentially something I could sell. I'm getting good enough at the, I've been doing this for a long time now. So, and I have, I've had my little gallery for a while and I've had show a lot of shows and I'm seeing what people respond to in my, in my work in particular. It's not like I'm just trying to reproduce the same thing over and over, but I'm, I'm realizing, okay, this might be something. And I'm, and I get excited. I, I like the game of it. So there's that aspect where, and I, I think I, uh, um, we were going to talk about sort of the process of, I love, I love the, the hunt. I like the anticipation, the sort of hypothesis of saying, what if, what if I throw myself down this ravine towards this beach and get myself in this position while the moon's coming up? Cause I know it's, you know, cause I looked at my iPad and I know when the moon's going to come up and what direction, you know, what if I do that? So I go there and, and then something else happens and the coyote goes down the beach and I get a shot of that or whatever. And then I, I get some shot that I feel is, a, you know, in a sense, a winner for whatever reason. And then I go home and I work it up and I print it and I, I mad it. I make all my, I do all my matting and all my framing and printing. And, and then I end up with this piece that ends up on my wall in my gallery and someone comes in that had an experience out in Point Reyes and they come in and they go, Oh, you know, they feel it's, you know, it's, it's this beautiful completion of the cycle where, where there's this communication that happens. And I just, I love that secular, secular, what is it? The cycle of that process. Yeah. Circular? Cyclical? Cyclical. That's what I'm thinking. Cyclical Uh, circle? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that, that is a big reason why I do it now. And I just love that. And I do still love, um, I, I do a lot of black and white. Uh, of course it's shot in raw, so it could be anything, but I think in black and white, that's what I shot a, a lot of my large format stuff. That's sort of been the hunt for me. I just, some things do demand to be in color. So I do print them in color, but a lot of the things I do and the language, I'm in a sense, I'm creating a personal iconography it's a personal story. It's almost like a set that goes together. And in the end, it's going to be a set of my life, you know, of my hunt and my investigation that will be. And so most of that is black, is black and white. But, um, you know, sometimes there's just a blazing red sunset. What are you going to do with that? You know, have a gray sunset, you know? So, um, but that. Well, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love yeah. to hear about, uh, what you've discovered in terms of what resonates with your audience? Um, uh, I would say it's it's very nuanced. Like my work is pretty quiet. 
for the most part. Um, the name of my studio is called Still Point. And the book I'm working on, it's the larger title is Still Point. And it's this moment. And there's these moments of rest. And there's a moment. And you can almost feel it when you're out there sometimes where everything just goes shink and the, you know, the air is calm or there's a moment of a wave breaking or, or a bird flying by where you, even in your being, not that it's going to be in the photograph, people make that mistake. They think that because they're feeling a certain way that they're taking a great photograph. <laughs> it's like, nah, not necessarily. You might be having an incredible experience and then you get home and it's like, oops, yeah, nothing there. Hence the artistry. That's the artistry yes. is instilling well, that. Yeah, exactly. So how to? So I think that people are responding to a certain quiet. There's a certain peacefulness and and sort of a peak moment, but not like a peak experience. They're very subtle and very quiet moments. That um, that and this is the beauty of having a little gallery is that um, I usually have like Carlos Nakai flute music playing or something peaceful. And um, they come in and they you can they just drop in and kind of ah and they and they, you know hopefully they buy something but if not that's okay too because I usually get a nice conversation or a response about the work and and uh, yeah so it's it's the images are I would say across the board have a certain quietness to them and that heavy. Super curious to hear you talk about um, how you curate your work for that mm. type of sales environment, um, yeah. because I'm guessing that there's plenty of opportunities for you to make images that don't quite fit into that. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be very selective about what you make images of and what you actually choose to to edit and print and all of yep. that. So I'd love to hear you talk about that. Yeah, that's a really good question because uh, I do have, you know, when you're out, let's just say at the beach and there's a tremendous stormy sunset and, you know, like I say, blazing red sky, I'm going to take a big stitched pano of that, you know, just because I can. And it's stunning to look at. But the chances I'm going to print that or it's going to end up in my gallery, probably not. And, but... There's other places, like I have a, um, a couple of art reps that sell my work every once in a while to like hospitals. In situations like that, they generally want large prints and they want, co and they want color and they want something peaceful of nature. So like the, I just did about, uh, it was about 25, you know, like 30 by 30s. And I did a 40 by 60 also within that group. Um, images that are all in color pretty much across the board, none of them I would have in my gallery, but they fit that situation. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was up sense. to the, the art consultant to choose them. And, and it's not like I don't like them. I mean, I, right. I took them and they're beautiful, but it, it doesn't fit in the, in the feeling that I want for my, my, my sort of representation of my personal journey that I'm going on. There's some sort of quality or refinement that I'm looking for in a in a photograph I, I fail tons you know there's many that are just almost there and don't but there's a few that it's got to tickle me in a certain way there's got to be some little moment in it that just does it and if it doesn't then you know i just kind of have it as a reminder to try to get it in another way or just let it go but yeah that was interesting uh i did a 
quick Zoom call with one of my co-founders of the competition. We just did our first year of called Natural Landscape Photography Awards. And um, we were just kind of having a quick reflection about the images that did well versus the ones that didn't. And like, what was the, what were the qualities of that separated the two? You know, there was, there was heaps and heaps and heaps of images that were submitted that were very, very good. But the ones that stood out amongst that, you know, amazing batch of incredible work were the images that made you kind of stop and go, oh, what, there's something here. What, like, there's something very interesting happening or I can't quite wrap my head around what's going on in the frame here. Or like, it, it's the images that make you start asking a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are exceptionally difficult images to make in landscape, especially. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, we have foreground, midground, horizon, right? Over right. and over, over and over and over. <laughs> right. You know, it's so what do you do with that? And that's a, it's a tricky one. And sometimes it's just okay. I mean, I, I'm sorry to keep bringing it up, but the, you know, the photographs over your shoulder, those are stunning and you couldn't do anything else there. You know, you had to take that picture, you know? So sometimes we do that. We do the foreground, midground, horizon and sky. We got, <laughs> so what else are you going to, but yeah, there's, I'm always looking for that. You know, what, what to put in like, well, some of it's not our choice, but, uh, you know, if it's a moving thing or if it's an you know animal or, but, you know, sometimes it's just a, a competition's a whole different thing. Cause you, you, then you have to like compare and it's, it's hard to be on a jury to figure that stuff out. And I was on one, a jury one time for an art show and I picked images that I would never take or, but there was something that, that was great about it. And it's just tricky. It might be what I had for lunch that day. You know, I had a good burrito. I know. So, it's you know? <laughs> <laughs> And you feel bad because like you say, there's, you know, there's so many good photographers now. I mean, really, the people that are committed and taking just stunning, stunning things. And so it's a tricky, I I think, um, I guess my work is I, I'm I'm shouting less and being a little bit more, kind of whispering a little bit. Um, I, I really drawn to, uh, uh, sort of the Japanese aesthetic, not that I'm trying to copy it in any way, but there's a certain quality and also in like calligraphy of stroke. And, uh, as far as composition, there's a certain elegance I'm looking for. And I'm not saying, please, I hope people understand all the things I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying I'm this great photographer or anything, but I, I'm looking for that. I'm trying to get this sort of gesture and for me um that beautiful stroke of shape or or occurrence that's happening um is that carries a lot and 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 i'm always butted up against the the foreground midground you know horizon sky Uh, that's always going to be the thing i'm you know i'm steeped in ansel adams i mean that's what i looked at when i was younger and you know it's it's a classic you know, rule of thirds and all that stuff where our eyes see the world in a certain way and we're trained in the European tradition, whether we like it or not. And right. everything Left we see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. It's weird to flip yeah. your image and go, oh, that feels awkward. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's, um, well, no, it's, um, I mm-hmm. feel like, um, when you have that much of a dedicated focus in terms of what you know your aesthetic is, uh, 
I guess a couple of things come to mind for me. One, you probably have a much lower hit rate in terms of being successful in the field because you probably have a very discerning taste of kind of what hits that mark. And yep. I'm guessing it's a fairly fleeting thing that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, I mean it's I mean sometimes it's a it's a rock in the foreground with some waves crashing or you know sometimes it's something I can try many times but um yeah no my hit rate I think it's like any uh, our expectations go up you know when you start out you take a picture of a rainbow and you're like yes you know I'm that's incredible <laughs> yeah and now you want you want to take a picture of a rainbow with a you know a, an elk sliding down it and you know lightning going off in the corner and you know, a whale breaching in the foreground, you know, it's, it's gotta have, it's gotta be stupendous. I'm just joking, but it, you know, it has, thank you. <laughs> so it's gotta, you know, as I go along, it, it just has to, again, I guess I use the word, it has to tickle me, it has to tickle my brain. It has to be something that's interesting to me and some things. And, and I honor the people that buy my work, you know, there's some images that sell, I'm not, I'm not f- so blown away by, but they fit a certain thing, you know, they're, and I, and for some people that it, it's, there'll be an image that sits in the gallery forever. And my wife will even say, you know, why do you have that one there? It's just, and, and then someday someone will come in and buy it, you know, and it, there's, there's sort of an audience and a, a type for, you know, I've had people come in and, and say, oh, it's all black and white. You know, they, they, they want, they want color, you know, so, um, so it's a, it's a tricky, uh, it's not a tricky dance. It's just an interesting dance, you know, how to navigate all the nuances of what to shoot and, you know, what to present. And, but for me in the end game is it has to just feel right. It has to feel interesting and, and good. It just has to, and also, you know, all the technical aspects I want, I'm looking at an image on my computer right now of these two Raven, that I photograph all the time. Um, they're resident ones on my property and one is sticking its beak in the other one. It's on my Instagram thing. If you go there, they do this mating dance every year and they take turns putting their beak in each other's beak. And it's just, it just is fascinating to me. It's a beautiful sort of S curve of black feathers and it's raining. And there's this, it's a very poetic piece to me. Someone else might look at it and go, God, I hate those damn birds. They're always waking me up in the morning. Or, you know? They're all loud and <laughs> they're, they're all just loud. black. They have no color. <laughs> That's right. But all to me, they they're <laughs> scavenge things. <laughs> right. So, well, you no, know, but, but I think that is uh, one of the yeah. jobs we have as artists is yeah. um, trying to showcase the beauty in things that might not be obviously beautiful. That's right. I think and vice versa, that. showing things that are ugly and things that everyone assumes is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it, it's exactly right. And it, you know, I I think uh, just to be a in awe again and be in our ability to observe. You know, we have these two eyes, and we can go out and just. It's pretty fascinating. I mean, and the fact that I mean, we're all we're so blessed with these with these digital cameras now. I mean, they they're kind of maddening because we can shoot. Like I said, you can trip and fall and take an interesting photograph. It's like, oops, I sat on my camera. Oh, look at that. That's kind of cool. You know, it's like, so, but it sure, it allows us to, you know, with the phones and all that, to just, 
I don't know, re- just reflect on the world in different ways. It it takes on all sorts of weird things too, you know, the the image. I think like Guy Tall's book is a, is a great book, the one you were talking about, really. And one of the early books that really set the tone for me was um was Galen Rowell, the um Mountain Light. Yeah, I got that Mountain one Light. too. Yeah, I mean it was it's a little in some ways a little dated now, but not. Sure. I mean the guy the guy was amazing. I mean, he was a yeah, one of the like, awesome takeaways from his book was um, I'm going to butcher this, but he talks about figuring out what the kind of limiting element is in your mm-hmm. photograph, like mm-hmm. whether it be like how fast something is moving or mm-hmm. or whatever. And then that becomes the the thing that you need to think about, like whether yes. it be aperture, shutter speed or that's ISO. right. So I thought I was like, yeah, that's kind of how I think but like having yeah. him say it makes so much more sense yeah you you can arrive at it in a natural way and and to, yeah to have somebody say it is 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 fantastic and um yeah just to be i think guy tall's book is great in that it uh, uh he, he he sort of really lingers on this discussion we're having and allows you yeah, to really big go time. Into, big, yeah and really get to go into like the nuances of all the the things we're doing and you know um it's going to be personal to each person and the, you know, for me, the audience is important. You know, I, I really like, I love that game. I love the, like, like the circular process we were talking about. And, um, it's really, uh, you know, I, I suggest to anybody that's out there that doesn't do it, you know, so many people shoot and it just stays on their computer, um, to make prints and just that act of saying, I value this one particular image enough to commit to it, to a print and put it on my wall is a great learning process. Cause until you do that, you're not really fully committed to it. it you know, it's easy to have all these digital images on our computer. Um, and it's another thing to, to frame it or get it into a position where it can be presented and put it in a show or, um, you know, put it in a place where it's for sale is another level, you know, where it's going to be in a, you're going to get, you're going to realize, oh, no one wants to buy this. <laughs> yeah, I've had that but, happen a few times. Yeah. Sure, and so, have. yeah. And, and, but I guarantee you the next day, if you had it, if you were, if it was being shown or whatever, there might be someone that would buy it. So it's a really interesting, I've gone into my studio, my little gallery on, on Saturday and there's, you know, we're on national seashore. So on a Saturday now we, we get a lot of people and, and I won't get anybody even come into my gallery and uh, you talk about questioning yourself. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. like you're, you're sitting there with, you know, 60 photographs and, you know, a whole bunch, I do all my handmade frames and, you know, it's a ton of effort. I'm sitting there, you know, kind of in a sense, twiddling my thumbs going, okay, all right, this is worth doing. <laughs> but then the next weekend, I'm there, and I everyone that comes in buys something. Wow! I've had days where, like, yeah, there's people, no rhyme you know, or reason. Nope. You, you know, it could have to. Be, it, it could be no. There really isn't, and it's you know, it could be seasonal. It could be is it shopping time? Like right now is a good time, but sure. Did the people are is tax season over? <laughs> but uh, it can be weather, like or. It can be the time of year or people staying out at the beach until sunset and sunset is at nine o'clock or eight, eight, eight o'clock and, and they get back and all they want to do is eat. They don't want to go into a gallery. 
So right this time of year is actually better because they come back earlier. You know, they might want to do another thing. Right. Um, Got an hour so, to burn. What do you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or we saw this little gallery on the way out. Let's stop. Yeah, let's stop on the way back. And so that's, um, but it's a real, uh, it is a uh, mind F if you, if we can. Oh, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you print all of your own work or do you send it off yeah. to a lab? You print I print all, all my own work. Yeah. I have a Epson 20, oh, 24 inch and then uh, a Canon 44 inch one. Uh-huh. So that one, it was actually gifted to me by a dear friend. And that really has been amazing to have. And um, he's actually who I trained with. Um, his name is Bob Cornelis. And he had what's called, it was called Color Folio up in S- Sebastopol, California. And that's where I met Jerry Dodrell, who's a wonderful photographer. He brought me in there. And I learned how to do, this is when, I was transitioning from film to digital and we were scanning with a drum scanner um, film. We actually scanned Galen Rowell's film and um, we, uh, and I learned printing and scanning there and to sort of transition into this digital world. So I owe D- uh, Bob an incredible debt because he really made it so I, I probably would have been years behind or not, not have done it at all, but it showed, it showed me how it was possible. So, um, yeah, I, I really feel like if you can have a printer at home, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just have uh, a tiny one, but I'm thinking about getting a nice, yeah. a nice one at some point. If I can afford yeah, it. Yeah. Like a 20, 24, <laughs> a 24 inch one is approachable. Right. You know, and they're not too big. They're still big, you know, they're big machines. I know. Um, but to be able to print out a, you know, 24 by 36 print. But then you have to figure out, okay, how are you going to present that? Are those exactly. aluminum prints? Are those aluminum prints behind you? No, this one's acrylic. Um, okay, it's Fuji Flex. Yeah, um, and then True, True Life acrylic on the front, nice. and then that's just a canvas print. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the other thing is how are you going to present it? So when you print big prints, that's a, that's another issue. So I've I've found my sort of sweet spot in what sizes I print for myself to frame because it sets up a whole other problem when you get big oh yes yeah. yeah and cost yeah, right yeah. like you're matting it or not and but then yeah. it's yeah or mounting it or how you're going to do that yeah so I, I keep most of the thing i sell a lot of prints in my studio that are on 1620 paper you know the packaging and, is easier and and you're not mounting those to anything no i'm just selling loose prints oh wow not even yeah. um not even matting wow yeah killer yeah. it's People take care of that themselves. They they want to go and find their own frame, and you know then the cost would have to be a lot more if I, I matted it. And but and then my frame stuff I I mat and you know. But my large piece, my largest pieces now are. I, mean, I have a few that are. I had a show a year ago or whatever that I did some big pieces. But um, other than that, I won't go any bigger than the glass that I get, which is thirty by forty. Um. And when you're uh, when you print, are you doing that in Lightroom or Photoshop or what are you Photoshop. using to in Photoshop? Uh, yeah, I, I use Lightroom a little bit, uh-huh. but I, I trained in Photoshop and it's I'm, I've got a system down and like yeah. I, I don't shoot a ton. Like I said, I, I shoot more pointedly, so I, I don't have a and I'm pretty ruthless in my editing. 
mm-hmm. like what images I'll even work on. I just, after working for this winery, like I, I would shoot, I've been shooting for him for 10 years and I've done so much work on the computer. I mean, I can't, that uh, with my own work, I don't want to waste any time on <laughs> or do as I want to do as little computer time as possible. Sure. Uh, but if, uh, yeah, so I use Photoshop, and I just started using the you know the whole Gigapixel, um, oh yeah, all that stuff to save. I, it's great for. I had some images that were shot with an older Canon five D that I had to print up at like thirty by thirty, so I'm cropping into it, you know, for a square, right. and it did really well. It did. Yeah, it, no, it's it, pretty it, mad, amazing what technology yeah. can do these days. Yeah, I try not to rely on it, and I still get a huge right. kick when I get a shot that is just there. You know, when it when it's sharp and it's where I want it to be, then you're already starting a hundred percent. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's still hard. I mean, you know, even with all this technology, I miss a lot. I get things, you know, out of focus, and there's always something niggly about my camera that. I mess mess up on or you know right uh, or like uh, you bump it or I get something it. yeah something or yeah it's a humbling art form <laughs> it it is yeah yeah I still make mistakes every time I go out it's like yeah. but, seriously but man? it's yeah <laughs> I know it's like really you did that yeah but um, there's some people that are on it I I think again I'll re- talk about Jerry Dodrell again he's He's a tremendous landscape photographer and got a ton of energy and his technique is really good. And he's, uh, he gets out there, man. That guy travels and does workshops and he's, he's yeah, pretty amazing. So yeah, I think you might talk to him in the future, but he's, he's got a great skill set to, to talk about. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wanted, you talked a little bit earlier about, uh, commercial jobs um, and I was curious how working in those in that commercial environment, working for another company that's asking you to make images for them, how how does has that factored into your overall approach to making it as a photographer? Well, it's I have to say it's been an incredible gift. Um, when I first got hired by this, um, I've been doing a lot of different jobs, you know, architecture and um, I can't even think right now. But I've, throughout the years, I've done a ton of work. I've, with many different things, but the winery was different in that they, uh, it was like a, what do they call it? A sinecure where, or they're like a patron where they hired me. I got paid monthly a, for me, a good amount. And my job was just to deliver at the end of the month, a bunch of images and that, and they didn't direct me at all. They were hands off. Cause a lot of jobs you go on, there's some sort of art director or somebody that wants to be, mm-hmm. unfortunately, some people, think they know about photography because you know they've taken some good iphone shots or whatever and they want to direct you and that's that's a tricky position to be in mm-hmm. i've had a but you would make that work but um this one was total hands off because they just trust they just trusted me you know they all had their own jobs to do so they didn't want to have to direct me and i would just go off and explore the vineyards and the winery the workings of the winery the um you know, imagine if your job was to do, I mean, for a year, that first year I shot, I think I was going 
two or three, two or th- well, usually what I was doing is I was going shooting a day, camping in the vineyard, and so I could get the sunset and then wake up in the morning for the sunrise, and then shoot the next day. It would also save in driving, so I could. Yeah. Um, but you know, to do that for twelve months was I learned so much about just everything because every, you know that because every situation demanded a different approach. It wasn't just landscape. You know, it was mm-hmm. macro. It was you know nighttime. It was people. It was wine mm-hmm. bottles. It was the winemaking process. It was um, the animals in, in the vineyard. You know. Uh, the architecture they, of the were they telling you like these are the types of images we need or this is what we need images every once in a while they would say they they might say we need a uh usually it was about the vi- new vintage release it would be about we need a shot of this bottle but do it in an interesting way more of an artistic way um and i'd also have to do the sort of you know just the classic bottle on a white background which is if you want a challenge <laughs> especially that's a that's a good challenge um so, yeah, it was just that I gained so much from that. It was, and then I, I just finished another. I've done, uh, I guess, three different times. I've done a year stint, and then this last year, I just did from August to November, sort of when the grapes are coming in and when they harvest. And I figured that that's enough, and that's perfect for me. Yeah. So I get I get some guaranteed work, and then and then there's a. I also shot a year for another winery this year. But that was all, they wanted all black and white. And that was another challenge. Nice, but another challenge because you got red grapes, blue skies, green leaves, beautiful sunrise, beautiful sunset. So you have to use like different filters or. Well, yeah, you got to look for. Well, situations where maybe the clouds are interesting or, you know, the patterns of the vineyards are. Fortunately, this vineyard had a lot of topography, so you could get up on different elevations and. So that was another situation where I had to really dig deep and figure that one out. Right, bust um, out your telephoto and get like nice compressed patterns or of completely. And yeah. that's another thing. I was never a real telephoto guy. Yeah. Um, you know, in art school, the classic thing was to shoot with a normal lens. That was sort of still holding on to sort of the '60s, where you shoot with a 50 or a 35 right. millimeter lens, and that's it. And telephoto was looked at as sort of a voyeuristic, sleazy, sleazy photographer thing. <laughs> so paparazzi, <laughs> kind of paparazzi, kind of you know, whatever. And so I always stayed away from it. But um, it's I realized it's just all different vocabulary. You know, you have a you're using a 16 millimeter lens that's going to give you a totally different look than a 600 millimeter lens, and why not use it? So I, I've. So I have a, you know, I, I go out with about, I don't know, six different lenses now. These, you know, tilt shift lenses and, um, which I love. Those things are amazing. So yeah, that I learned just, uh, I can't even say how much I progressed. Just the act of shooting, you know, my, my index finger is, I've got huge muscles in it now just from pressing that button. <laughs> How, I'm curious, yeah. how has uh, being involved in these commercial projects helped you as a landscape photographer? Well, I would say because the, I was doing wineries, um, there's still landscape. So I was basically using the same muscle. Um, in some ways, my early days of weddings helped me more 
because like we were talking, you, you got to get it right. So when that sunset's happening and you, you also had to sort of uh, pre-prepare in weddings, you had to anticipate what's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's a real sporting event. I mean, you have to be uh, on, on your mark. And- nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, totally nervous. I used to have nightmares that I was trying to stack six flashes on top of my camera and wire them together before I went to a wedding. <laughs> All these crazy things. I did uh, so, two yeah. in the last year, and yeah. both times I was like, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. Don't, you know, yeah. like yeah. you're anticipating these things that happen in the wedding, and you're like, oh, yeah. I have to, I'm going to have to make sure I'm standing over there when that happens. Yep. And, yep. Yep. Oh, but the light's over. Like, yeah, it's. And you have to act like you're not stressed. Oh, yeah. You're like, you it's gotta, cool. I'm cool. cool. Everything's I'm cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, um, but fortunately, I, had, I have to say I had good experiences. I had a few weddings that were a little problematic, but for my whole time doing it, I, it but I learned, and that was film. Right. I shot all film and, <laughs> and medium format film too. I would shoot 35 for, for the reportage stuff and then portraits all medium format. So it was, it was a hustle, man. That was hard work. So that was that now, you know, when I have a sunset happening and you know, there's a seal, an elephant seal over in the corner and I got to get in position. I, I, I kind of, I understand the game, you know, how to move. And, and we all, landscape photographers know this sort of dance that you, you kind of get, get out there dancing at that beautiful hour when, when the sun's doing what it does. And, um, but uh, definitely the winery stuff prepared me to, and, and also just a confidence level and also a little bit of, um, just having steady income allow me to feel a little bit more calm about my, my personal work. Um, that that's a big help. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I think we've touched on we've a lot exhausted of it. <laughs> cool stuff. All right, Todd. Um, well, you've already talked a little bit about Jerry Dodrill, but who would you recommend uh, for the podcast? How about Jerry Dodrill? <laughs> you know, I just think of him because I, I, I just um, he and he's he's the real deal. The guy gets out there and he's a mountain climber. I don't know how much he's climbing these days, but you know he's climbs El Cap and all the big stuff and gets these incredible, I think he, he studied or he was Galen Rowell's assistant back in the day. Um, so he's on that sort of level and uh, he's really, he's a good photographer. He's got such a range of stuff, beautiful color, landscape stuff and um, yeah, everything think, from the, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I feel like his work is moving towards conservation these days. Yeah, I, he's he's always cared for sure. You know, I I know he's doing stuff around, uh, you know, going down the Grand Canyon on rafts, and I, I think how can you not? You witness what's going on out there, and I think because he's putting himself out in a lot of these landscapes, um, he's witness to a lot of degradation, and he's got a good heart. He really he does care about it. So I think he would be a great conversation. And you said you've already talked with Joe Doherty, who I think is great too so um he would be someone else i would recommend and uh there's other people that are, uh there's a guy out in uh you, he lives in salt lake city now he taught for years at black hill state university his name's steve babbitt and he's he has a place down in capitol reef now which is where guy tall lives i think yeah he lives in tory 
Yeah, and that's where this guy lives. Yeah. And uh, he's photographs, you know, Capitol Reef, and he's a great photographer. He might be an interesting. He's he's he taught for twenty five years at okay. Black Hill State and built a huge photo program there. So for talking about education and photography, he would be tremendous. He really he was, and he's just he's a great guy. Yeah. Great. Well, All lastly, right. lastly, Todd, uh, tell us about um, how people can find your gallery in Point Reyes and what they can expect. Yeah. Well, I always say it's a small yet mighty gallery. It's a tiny little gallery, Sita, small. But it's in uh, Inverness Park, which is on the way out to the beaches in Point Reyes. You can't miss it. My f- sign has a big owl feather on it. Um, it's on Sir Francis Drake Boulevard there. Um, I also, you know, I teach uh, workshops out of there, uh, but only uh, with individuals. I don't do groups. I, I don't, uh, I've always been averse to taking large groups of people out to a spot. Uh, so it's one-on-one, maybe two people if it's a couple. Um, so if anybody's interested about that. And my website's toddpickering.com. And uh, Instagram is toddpickeringphoto if you want to see a little bit of my work. That's yeah. Uh, original, like Matt Payne photo. Yeah. What, what else are you gonna What else are you gonna do? <laughs> I know. It's actually it. I do it because, like, when I'm trying to find people who I like, I meet or something, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, and then I can't find them. It's like, and it's like some obscure thing. It's like, yeah, no, I want to be able to find you. You know. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep yeah. it simple. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Todd. This has been really fun, man. Absolutely, Matt. It's been a blast talking with you. Great. All right. Well, thanks to Todd for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me for this great conversation on the podcast. I wish you the best of luck at your gallery, and I encourage listeners to stop by and say hi to Todd and support him if you're in the area near Point Reyes. I also wanted to remind listeners of a great opportunity that you have to save money on a fantastic resource to help your photography journey, which is Nature Photographers Network. NPN is the internet's premier landscape and nature photographers website and community, and it's chock full of articles and engaging forums dedicated to our craft and art form. NPN is now offering podcast listeners a free 30-day trial to the platform, plus 20% off their first year membership. Just head over to naturephotographers.network forward slash f-stop or find a link in the show notes to get started with your free trial. Again, that's naturephotographers.network forward slash f-stop. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.